Welcome to another episode of the Everything College Basketball Podcast, your home for the latest news and analysis from the world of college hoops. Back again are your hosts, Josh Burton, Phil Dexter, and Peyton Burton. What is up, you guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Everything College Basketball Podcast, episode one, number 2-0, or in layman's terms, that's episode 120. I'm, of course, your host, Josh Burton, and joining me again today is my brother, one of my best friends in the world, Mr. Peyton Burton. Peyton, season is finally here. It's time, boys and girls. Let's fucking go. The season is upon us. Tomorrow, we finally get on a Monday. We get college basketball season back. It's time to pump those, pump up those laces like with John Cena in the mid-2000s. And it's time to get those shoes squeaking <laughs> on the hardwood. Because it's game time, baby. Let's go. It's been a long six months since the final whistle blew. On the game between North Carolina and Kansas back in early April, it's been a long, long six months, six and a half months, however you want to look at it. It's been a long time, man. We've spent months um, building this up, researching and talking about it, watching exhibition games, watching over the summer the overseas tours from teams that got to play. We are finally... One day away, 24 hours, a little more than 24 hours, about 30 hours away from the official start of college basketball. And I cannot believe it's finally here. It, it literally is almost like Christmas Day for our for us that's in the college basketball world. I mean, I can't wait. I, I can't wait. We're getting to preview live games today. Yeah, man. You know, it's going to be different since normal years that we've done this. Champions Classic hasn't. Or normally it tips off college basketball. First game of the season, we get to talk about uh, the Champions Classic, but that's not until a couple of weeks from now. So it's a little bit different of a format. There's not too many good games this year or this week, the first week of college basketball, but there's some games that we're going to talk about that might interest you guys. Yeah, before we get into all of our housekeeping stuff and all that good stuff, um, I do want to ask you, and for those who are watching live, we are on the YouTube channel right now. Um, if you're watching live with us, drop some comments, follow along with us. If you watch this later on or you're listening to the, the traditional audio version when this comes out, we're waiting on hopefully Phil and Corey to join us. Phil's regular day job keeps him up late at night. So hopefully we'll get this ironed out where he will be with us like normal majority of the time. But for now, it'll be me and Peyton. But Peyton, I want to pose this question to you since you're with me right now. Um, this is the first time in a number of years because it used to be like this when the Champions Classic started back in the 2011-2012 season. Um, it wasn't the first game of college basketball. It, it was like we were seeing this year where that first couple years where it was like the third or fourth game. Teams got a couple games, I guess you call them warm-up games, before they played these massive games. Then we went to where it opened the season up. That's what we've seen for the last, what, five, six years, where it opens the season. The first game is Kansas-Kentucky or Duke-Michigan State or a combination of the four. Um, so do you like it like this? where teams kind of get a couple games to warm up, or did you like the old way of where we'll just full blast straight into it, you open up with it? I liked it when the Champions Classic would tip off college basketball. Um, it's, you get the four best teams, four of one of the greatest college basketball programs of all time in the same building for one night. Um, to start off college basketball season, you can't start it off any better in my eyes than with the Champions Classic. So hopefully, you know, another experiment with this right now, hopefully – 
sometime soon. Um, it goes back to opening college basketball, but I'm not opposed uh, to start the college basketball season, get a couple warm-up games, and then see where you're at. Um, but either way, I mean, it's fine. I'm glad college basketball is back, but I do miss Champions Classic opening up college basketball. So I understand it on two fronts. Um, the one front, the old school way, um, well, the way we've been accustomed to, I should say, I understand that point because it's almost like big time week one college football where you have these big games with, like this year, Georgia, Oregon. They got to spend the whole summer knowing that their first game of the year, they're playing another top 25 opponent, sometimes a top 10 opponent in some of these games. Uh, hell, even sometimes top five. But you know you spent all summer, all fall getting ready to play this this first game of the year. This is who you're tipping off with. So it's I guess the motivation's a little easier. But I also understand it, too, from a program and a coaching standpoint, that you'd like to get a couple games ahead of you. To Maybe you've got some injuries you're dealing with or whatever the case may be. You get two or three games, and then you go play this big one. So you kind of shake off some rust, and hopefully you have a better performance. Because, man, playing that, you know, when Kentucky played Duke last year, that was a great game. That was a fantastic game. But I'm sure Coach Cal would have rather played Duke you know, two weeks later where he kind of figured out his rotations a little bit more, guys got a little bit more accustomed um, and maybe could have gave them a little better game. But I understand both ways. I'm fine either way. Uh, you start off the season with it, bam, we've got great games to talk about week one. But if you wait a week, you know, get two or three games under your belt, I'm okay with that too. I, I'm just, I'm so happy college basketball is back. Yeah, you know, I'm the same way. You know, if you're a coach, uh, one of these schools that plays in a big time game or a Champions Classic game, um, you would like to probably have a couple week um, early period to start off with a couple of uh, you know games that you should handle pretty well, so you can figure out your rotation, gives players in case they're injured coming into the season uh, extra rest um, coming into the year. But you know, either way, whether it's Champions Classic, open up college basketball or not, college basketball's back, and we're in full swing till March, or April, actually, excuse me. Yeah, um, we'll get into all the week one action. And if we're being real, there's a couple interesting games. Uh, one big one, we'll talk about it, there, but there's not a whole lot of great action this week one. But we're going to get into some of that later on in the show, and I can't wait. Um, we do have some interesting ones I want to talk about. But Peyton, as always, before we get in anything else, we got some news, recruiting, all that stuff to get into. Before we get into anything else, we'd be remiss if we did not shout out the title sponsor of ECB this year, and that is our friends at Beauty to Beast Nutrition, located in downtown Edinburgh, Indiana. It is a healthy juice bar. I'm talking they've got your protein coffees, your healthy shot teas. They've got your protein bites, everything. They've got smoothies now. I officially found out that the Grave Digger I like is an act. It's not a protein coffee. It's actually a smoothie, and it is mwah, phenomenal. It is so good, guys. If you're in the if you are located in Edinburgh or passing through Edinburgh or live in the central Indiana area and coming through, stop by our friends at Beauty to Beast Nutrition, located in downtown Edinburgh, Indiana. Go get yourself some healthy drinks. Go get yourself some protein bites. Do it and feel good knowing that you're helping your body out. It tastes great and you're not feeling sluggish and like a piece of shit. Most of the time, to put it bluntly, um, Natasha's great people. The owner, Natasha, great people to be in business with. 
And Peyton, what can they do if they tell them ECB sent you? Well, Josh, you get 10% off of your tire purchase when you say ECB sent you or you use code ECB. Go check out Beauty to Beast Nutrition because not only do they have great drinks, but it also gives you some energy too. It gives you that extra energy, that extra boost so you can go throughout your day. And tomorrow is a big day for college basketball fans. You're probably, most of you are probably getting off work around 3.30. Um, you need that extra energy. You can't be going to sleep, damn it, when college basketball is starting. So go we, get you a drink from Beauty to the Beast Nutrition. Hey, we got go. games coast to coast. You're going to need that that mid-afternoon. You know how you are. You feel a little nappy, nappy. No, no, no. Stop in Beauty to Beast Nutrition. Go get you a healthy shot tea. Get you a protein coffee. You'll feel good for the, the evening games coming up, baby, because we are finally back with college basketball. But, again, shout out to Beauty Beast Nutrition. Stop in, get you whatever. Like I said on last episode, one drink, five drinks, ten drinks. Don't matter. You tell an ECB sent you, you're going to get 10% off your entire purchase. It's a deal you can't pass up to feel good. Again, shout out to Beauty Beast Nutrition for coming on board. Everything College Basketball is a title sponsor this year. Peyton, one other bit of housekeeping news. We got to shout out our uh, our friends, our new network that we're a part of, House of College Hoops and the House Enterprises, our buddy Will Tondo. Uh, great people, again, to be in business with, Peyton. And as you can see, if you're following along on the YouTube channel with us, you can see it on the screen right now, Peyton. The Seat Geek Code. The Seat Geek Code is massive. If you're not, if you're planning on going to any college basketball game this year, download the Seat Geek app. Use the promo code NCAA Hoops Digest. One word. You don't have to capitalize at all. I tested it out the other day. Just put an NCAA Hoops Digest. You're going to get $20 off of your first purchase on the app using the code. It is so worth it because, as we all know, those pesky uh, delivery fees and all the extra fees they add on, that $20 is basically going to take care of that, and you're going to get that ticket at $50 or $60 or whatever. It's going to help you out a bunch. I mean, who doesn't want to knock $20 off of their purchase? Yeah, and all these other um, websites that sell tickets, they're normally pretty expensive. SeatGeek's actually a lot cheaper than a Ticketmaster or a Vivid Seats or anything like that. So make sure you use that code NCA Hoops Digest. Get you $20 off your purchase. Uh, former co-host and admin, Tyler Cook. He'll be at the Champions Classic Games, watch Kansas versus Duke and Michigan State versus Kentucky in a couple weeks. Um, and I told him, he told me uh, that he used the code uh, NCA Hoops Digest for $20 off, and uh, he's ready to go. So do like he did, get you $20 off, and let's get it, baby. Absolutely. And, again, we mentioned last week, we couldn't be more happy and proud to be a part of the House Enterprise banner. Um, some of the biggest collection and best collection of college basketball writers, podcasts in the world, and we are a part of that family. Uh, they do great business over there. If you're curious of where you can find some of these articles from not only ECB and some of our friends like Road to the Garden over there, just go to House house-enterprise.com www.house-enterprise.com you'll be able to find all house enterprise stuff they got football they've got every sport you can think of with writers covering it but specifically house college hoops you won't want to miss it great daily articles from some of the best in the game and you're going to find ECB content over there as well we cannot be more grateful and happy to be partners with house of college hoops this year 
Hey, Josh, just real quick. I know we're live on YouTube this time. Uh, we're not recording it like we did last week. We're live, actually. Um, why don't we're you, live, just, pal. Yeah, we're live, pal. Why don't you tell them, just in case they forgot, if they didn't listen to last week's episode, which go do, by the way. It's a bang of an episode. Um, why don't you tell them that little tip that you found out last week, that you told them last week to do? Oh. When it comes to SeatGeek. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's ways around this, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, you can use this code NCA Hoops Digest, get your $20 off. And if you've got multiple bank cards, debit credit cards, create you another account or a new email, put a new card in. You'll get that $20 off every single time. Or if you've got a buddy, maybe one time you pay using the code. The next time he signs up or she signs up, you use the code there, $20 off. Keep rotating them, baby, because you can only use one card per account. But if you've got multiple ones or you got some friends, guys, rotate. Get that $20 off. I mean, why wouldn't you? Like I said, these delivery fees on these online sites sometimes can be ridiculous. I'm talking, you know, you pay for a $32 ticket and you're paying almost half of that in delivery fees. So won't you cancel out the delivery fees, use that $20 code and save you some money. Just keep rotating them. You know and what I'm saying? Yeah, and I talked about Cook about oh I, yeah, I talked about Cook about he's going to the Champions Classic game. I'm not gonna say what the ticket prices are because you can just go look them up yourself. But he got one of the tickets uh, for mid level, the same price that he would have got if he paid for um, a different or paid at a different vendor, which would have been nosebleed seats. So it's pretty much he got a, better, a way better discount than he did on other sites. So yeah, go check out that code NCA Hoops that just get you twenty dollars off. Yeah, it's nice to see our buddy Connor McCabe. It's like I've always liked to call him since day one, since being in the Facebook group. Um, you can see right here where he says the season's finally here. All kicks off tomorrow, Connor. Uh, thanks for joining the live stream with us. Uh, yeah, you're right, man. We can't wait to get into some of these games. Uh, we'll do that here in just a little bit. But thank you for joining with us and being a part of the Facebook group. By the way, one final shout out, guys. If you're not part of the Facebook group, just go to Facebook.com. In the search bar, type in everything college basketball. You'll see it. We've officially hit 900 members this week. Big milestone. And we've said it before. If we accepted everybody, we could literally be at two, three, four thousand. 4,000. But we keep it a, a nice little community, um, the kind of people that we want. You come in, have some fun, be knowledgeable, be funny, have some fun banter. We're That's all accepting. You're just not going to come in and stir a bunch of shit because you will get the boot. We'll kick you as hard as uh, Lionel Messi on a free kick. But um, <laughs> Or Wayne Rooney on a fucking corner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll kick you way out there. Yeah. Um, but go join the Facebook group. Uh, that's kind of the lifeblood of what we've done. But Peyton, enough of the ramble. Let's get in some of the big news of college basketball this past week before we get into previewing games. And I think we got to start with your boys. After five long, miserable, terrible, unknowing years of dark cloud from the NCAA hanging over your head, you finally got your ruling, and I'm going to let you take it away. What'd they find out? Bro, it's been so fucking long. This shit happened in 2017, and it's finally done. We're finally in the clear. We can finally move past get past the NCAA cloud hanging over our head. The ruling came out from the IARP that only thing that Louisville's uh, case or Louisville's AKA punishment is a $5,000 fine, no postseason, uh, shorter recruiting days, 
um, and two years of probation. Nothing for Chris Mack, which I don't know why he would even be involved in that situation, maybe with the Dino Gaudio stuff. I'm not really sure why. Uh, but obviously, Rick Pitino was involved heavily in this. He gets no punishment whatsoever, Iona. So he's cool. Louisville program. We got it. We, this is the best case scenario for us. If you haven't been paying attention for the last five years, listening to this podcast, or just being a friend of mine or being close to me or any other diehard Louisville fan, we've been through hell and back in these last five years. We suffered our own punishment ourselves. Listen to this in case people are complaining that, let me try to fix my microphone here, in case people are trying to complain that, um, you know, Louisville got a gay let off easy. Just listen to this. We've had we had a fire our Hall of Fame level coach in Rick Pitino. We've had a fire our legendary um, athletic director Tom Jurich. We've had multiple three different presidents since 2017. We've had, including 2017, when Kenny Payne steps on the floor Wednesday night, he'd be the fifth different Louisville head coach in the span of five years. We've had. Five different coaches, like I just mentioned. We haven't been, we haven't won a tournament game since 2016. We haven't been to the tournament since 2018. We did not get let off easy. When Matt Jones from KSR, and I'm not a big fan of him. I think a lot of stuff he says, especially about Louisville, is very ignorant. Um, is just incorrect. But himself even said that this punishment, he agrees with this because Louisville has been through hell and back his life last five years. So no. BBN or North Carolina fans or Florida State fans, whoever you are, we did not get let off easy. We got justified perfectly. No, I completely agree with you. Uh, Connor with another comment. So this whole thing makes no sense to me. The rules changed last year. Let it all go. And I think he's uh, mostly right on that. Um, I'm with you. Yeah, you know, it's been five years for the first case. I don't know why the NCAA thinks it's necessary to take five years to basically give out this punishment. I mean, $5,000 is nothing to these universities. Okay, you lose a couple recruiting days. Those could be big in the long run, but not so much. Um, Yeah, I'm with you. Like, point blank, I'm with you. I feel like you guys have kind of done your time. Um, It is what it is. I don't trust the NCAA. I don't think a lot of us trust the NCAA, if we're being completely honest here. And I think Louisville got what they deserved. I don't think that any further punishment would have been necessary because, again, even going back, you had to take the banner down, which is stupid. Uh, I do think it's time to put that banner back up because we've seen it. We've seen to 2013 Louisville win the title. We That wasn't fake. It wasn't made up. It wasn't imaginary. You won the title, put the banner back up. But, no, I, I think the this was the right ruling. I can't believe it took this long to come up with this. <laughs> you would think if they were going to do five years' worth of investigations that they were they were going to put the hammer down. But to come up with this, this could have been in years ago. But now for Louisville, I think Kenny Payne referenced it, that now when I tell kids and their families that you won't have to worry about coming here and something bad happening, he means it now. And it's such a big deal for the program to be able to finally put that behind them, move forward, and now maybe even on the recruiting trail, we can start seeing Louisville maybe finally pick up some steam because any prior doubts have to be gone now. 
Chris Mack even said it when he was talking about this on Twitter, how difficult it was to recruit when he was at Wolver with this whole NCAA cloud hanging over uh, the program's head. Now that, 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 now that that's finally gone, and now Wolver's in the clear, and they can do things or be the Wolver basketball program that I knew growing up and that Josh knows growing up and all this other shit, being the legendary program that Wolver is, it's game time now, fellas, because now Kenny Payne's on the same level playing field as everyone else. Now, like we talked about last week, well, how he hasn't had got top recruits yet, we haven't had momentum uh, heading into the program recruiting-wise. It's game time now, baby, because I said it last week, when he starts racking these motherfuckers up, it's time for everyone to shut the hell up, because... No NCAA clouds overhead. KP is one of the best recruiters in the country, as long as no one Smith. It's game time now, and we're going to start getting some recruits very quickly. Yeah, I think that's right. You can see Connor with another great comment here, and uh, I, I highlighted this one because I think it's fair. <clears throat> Excuse me. He says the NCAA is giving FIFA a run for their money when it comes to the most corrupt sports organizations. And Peyton, everybody who's listened to us for years now know we love soccer. We love football. Um, and we all know how corrupt it. FIFA is well NCAA is over the last 20 some years has gotten that way and I think that's a very intelligent comment because both organizations can't make a a correct ruling to save their life they both drag their feet and at the end of the day they only give a shit about the money they don't care about their players and their athletes I think this is a very comparable uh, deal between NCAA and FIFA in this regards yeah I mean when you have teams like PSG and Manchester City you just fucking buying every player under the sun that they can buy um, and not get in trouble for money laundering. Um, it's ridiculous. They spend all that money every single year on getting the top players in the world, yet they got zero Champions League um, finals trophies. How many does Madrid have? They got, what, 15? 14. It's going to be 15 this year, bitches. Yeah. Holla Madrid. Yeah, um, but good news for Louisville fans. Uh, Card Nation can breathe a little easier. I know it was a tense day the other day when the ruling was coming down, but I think it's the Boy, correct. Boy, I was nervous. Yeah, I think it's the correct one, though, so good on them. Um, Peyton, other news. Bill Self suspended four games. Uh, NCAA, well, I, this was a self, no pun intended, this was a self-violation, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> self-imposed. Yeah, self-imposed. Um, that means he is going to miss the Duke game coming up next week in the Champions Classic. Um, thoughts on this? Uh, do you think they're trying to get out ahead of everything? Maybe they know the NCAA is finally going to put the clamps on them, or do you think maybe they're trying to do this as a way to say, look, we we self-governed ourselves, so don't punish us. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about this. On the other hand, I get why they did this to try to, you know, save themselves from getting farther or for their punishments. Uh, like Wolver did, but however, in the past, we've seen when people self-impose, like in Oklahoma State, it hasn't really worked out well for them. Um, and I heard something, I think you told me about it, that the ruling's probably going to be uh, taking place after the season's over. Um, so, I mean, we'll see what happens with it. Bill Self being suspended for four games. Uh, I think it's the same way that, wasn't Mark Few suspended for a couple games last season to start the year off, like three games max or something like that? Yeah, but his... I know it was something totally different. different. Yeah, 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 I know he was something different, but, you know, I mean, we'll see. We'll miss him without that Duke game. That's going to hurt Coach uh, Norm Lomitz, one of our top assistants, uh, that's been with Bill Self for a long-ass time. He's going to take over those four games, and he'll take over the Duke game. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, um, I just, I don't know. I feel like Bill Self is uh, blatantly 
put the middle finger up for years now to the NCAA and the fact that now all of a sudden he's self-imposing, it does make you wonder if he maybe doesn't have some inside intel that like, oh, yeah, they're coming after us. So maybe I can get out in front of it. I, it it's a storyline we're going to keep an eye on all year, um, especially since NCAA has done away with postseason bans. Yeah, um, it's going to be interesting. Uh, it makes it still makes you wonder. They won the title last year, but it makes you wonder if part of that punishment, whenever they finally come out with it, if they don't make them vacate all them wins that that stuff occurred around, which could be what like a hundred wins. Which would give you fuckers the all time wins list back. I hope that don't happen. <laughs> you ain't getting it. You ain't getting it back that easy. You got to beat a four this year, but um. <laughs> When it comes to self-imposed, I know we talked about it, maybe last year it was, when it when you self-impose, whether it's a postseason ban or, um, you know, suspending games or something like that, you always look more guilty when you do this. Yeah, so I think big he, time. Because for years, when this stuff eventually happened, what was it, 2018? Or 2000, yeah, yeah uh, 2018 or 19. I remember what I was talking about. It was a big story when it came out uh, with the Adidas and money he had into a goose and all that shit that's what this is about um he wore that adidas shirt when he went to uh when it was uh late night at the fog uh he had snoop down snoop dog day and he was throwing money at the recruits and well they had like, like the stripper poles remember they had the dancers we all said it was a big fu from bill self to the ncaa and now all of a sudden he's kind of backing down and giving us postseason or not postseasons and a four game suspension doesn't necessarily look good on my end well, look at this, too. All the big coaches that were involved in that have already sort of got their punishment. Sean Miller got fired from Arizona. Even though he's back now, he he was he got fired from Arizona and had to set out a year. Will Wade finally, finally got fired. He was probably the most egregious one, getting caught in wiretap. Um, he's gone. Like, all the dudes that were kind of involved in this with him, Louisville just got their punishment. Um, Self kind of withstood it, but he's the last one standing. And if the NCAA is like Hitman, looks like they're finally going to try to slip the crosshairs on Bill Self. So it could be, I mean, this is going to be a, a season long storyline. I don't think we're going to hear anything throughout the year, but I think bits and pieces will come out. And by the year's end, it's going to be real interesting what happens. There's no fucking shot. I got it posted. What Connor says, if they strip us of our title, I would not be a happy camper. There's no chance in hell they're taking that title away from Kansas. I don't see it happening at all. They cannot I, do that shit again. If they do it to me again, I'm going to fucking... <laughs> I, listen, the, the capital is just up at Indianapolis. It's only like 40 minutes away from my house. So I will make sure I will take a trip down there, bring a video camera crew, and we'll get this shit rolling. I'll make sure to face Mark Emmer face-to-face if, if he take another title away from me. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be a crazy storyline, Peyton, but let's move on to another suspension. Um Courtney Ramey, guard Courtney Ramey, suspended for three games uh, for playing in a legal pro-am, which is dumb as hell, another one of those NCAA rules. Played in a pro-am over the summer that wasn't regulated and approved by the NCAA. He's out for the first three games of the year. Um, I guess thoughts on this? Bullshit. Bullshit. Like It's it's a non-station NCAA event. That's why they suspended him for three games, because it wasn't a sanctioned NCAA uh, event. It's just fucking ridiculous. Like these, This, along with the Bob Miller 
situation for Florida State, him be suspended for half of the damn year, 16 games, for paying money that he didn't know was illegal. And he paid it back. paid it back. And paid it was, back. As soon as he knew it was, uh, um, um, uh, it was against the rules, he paid it back immediately. Paid it back, yes. And it's, and it's not like he went to go buy a Porsche. He went to go fucking practice. Yeah. He went to hone his craft, get better. And, and he's over. And he's an overseas kid coming yes. to live the American dream. He came over here to live the American dream, and we're going to punish him? He didn't know the rules all the way. And once he did, like you said, he, he paid, paid it back. It back. He, and you're going to suspend him more than half the freaking season? Half of these people who get money or have something involved with money, top recruits coming in, or overseas guys coming in, once you find out that they've got money to come or some shit like that, it's normally they normally buy something like a Regis, like a you know jewelry or a house or some shit like that. He didn't know that. He went to go fucking practice. How ridiculous is that? And we're gonna punish the kid who just wants to live the American dream. And I think there should be a grace period. Like if you get illegal money like that, you have like thirty days or whatever to pay it back. And if you pay yeah, it back, exactly. bam, 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 no deal. No, no, I mean no big problem. No, no, no problem. Right? Yeah. But he paid it back. And he wants to play college basketball. He's living the American dream coming over here from a foreign country to study, to get his academic degree, to play college basketball in hopes of playing professional one day. He paid the money back. He didn't keep it. He did the right thing. It was an honest to God accident from what it sounds like. He realized he was in the wrong, paid it back. No big deal. Why the fuck are we suspending him 16 freaking games? Yeah, I know we kind of, you know, vital or uh, veered away from talking about Courtney Ramey, but same thing in him. Like, he played in a, a, program, or a program game or whatever it was, and he's, he's playing. Like, he's not buying shit. He's not doing anything really illegal. Uh, you know, it's not a, who gives a shit if it's not a non-NCAA uh, event? Like, who gives a shit? He's going to play ball. That's what he wants to do for a living. He wants to fucking play ball and get better. That way he can have a better season this year. And now they suspended from three games. Suspended Boba Miller from Florida State for 16 games. Ridiculous. Get your shit together. Especially in the era of NIL. Like, you yeah. can make money through a car dealership, but you better not get any illegal benefits. Doesn't make a damn bit of sense. Um, the NCAA, I mean, again, they don't have a clue what they're doing, and I'm just being real with that. Waiting a couple other bit of pieces of news that came out this week. Nothing official, but the rumor did come out. Um, Gonzaga potentially joining the Big 12 basketball only. So we've always said that we want Gonzaga in a bigger conference, but football would be the downfall because you like they can't join the Pac-12 or the Big 12 or whatever because of football. Football drives the money situation in college or college sports. But the rumors started to come out, circulate from higher publications that Gonzaga can talk with the Big 12 joining basketball only. And I know on our Facebook group, there was some negative feedback because people would think this is stupid for travel. This is the one scenario. I understand logistically it doesn't make sense, especially if you have to fly across country, play West Virginia or whatever. But I like this move. You put them, it, you put them in a good basketball conference, even with Texas and Oklahoma leaving. They're bringing in BYU, who's steady. They're bringing in Cincinnati, who's steady. They're bringing in UCF. And then you throw in Gonzaga. I mean, uh, Tyler Cook mentioned it. Imagine every year at the top of the conference, you got Gonzaga, Kansas, and Baylor battling out for the Big 12 crown. We'll finally put the rest, the argument, the Gonzaga from January until March plays nobody because in the Big 12, they're going to get tested every night. And I think you mentioned it. This could be the finally the driving force 
of them actually getting over the hump and winning a national title because they will be tested all year long. I think this is a great move if it happens. Me too. Um, I think it's an incredible move. I hope it does happen because they need to be in a bigger conference. I thought they'd probably go to the Pac-12 or something like that. I guess, you know, football-wise. But then again, if you go to the Big 12, Big 12 is very big in football as well. So it's not too um, – you're not really losing too much there football-wise. But, um, yeah, you know, I hope they go to the conference because you mentioned it or you mentioned what I said on the Facebook group that they could – potentially win a national championship now because they're going from a mid-major conference to my eyes, the best conference in college basketball, the toughest uh, conference in college basketball, the Big 12. Um, They're going to go into the conference that's won the last two national championship games. And the last one, they've been to probably the last three NCAA championship games, 2019, 2021, and 2022. And they've won two of the three. And in 2020, when COVID year, Kansas was the favorite to win the national championship that year. One of the favorites. So they're going to the best conference in college basketball if it does happen. And yeah, that top four with uh, Kansas, Baylor, Houston, Gonzaga, and not to mention you still got Chris Beard at Texas. You got Mark Adams at Texas Tech. You got uh, got, uh, Jamie Dixon at TCU. It's already the best conference in college basketball. If you add those two teams to it, my God, no question about it. Yeah, and as you can see on the screen, Connor with another great comment says, don't know how much truth this has, but there's a rumor in Big Ten country that there's a big rumor that Kansas could join the Big Ten. No credibility to the sources yet. Um, We'll have to wait and see on that because if Kansas left the Big 12, that's a killer for basketball. Yeah, I mean, it's going to hurt them tremendously. And they're starting to get better at football, too. They they actually won their sixth game uh, yesterday. They're bowl eligible. So they're starting to – that program football-wise is starting to get a little bit better. Uh, But I did hear that rumor once, um, I think, early in the season, maybe. Oh, no, it was after UCLA and USC joined uh, uh, the Big Ten. Um, I started hearing that rumor as well when that conference alignment became a big – a big uh, topic to talk about, but I don't see it happening. I see them staying in the Big 12. And Josh, question for you. If Gonzaga, hypothetically, if Gonzaga, this Gonzaga team was in the Big 12 this year, where would you place them? Um, probably winning the conference. Um, this year? Yeah, this year. Um, I, I Because <sighs> think about it. We have them number two in our poll. So if we have them number two, then it kind of means that they would – Win the Big 12, I know how good Baylor and Kansas will be. I mean, we know Texas is probably going to be a lot better. I still think they probably win the Big 12 this year. I think they finished the third behind Baylor and Kansas because there's going to be a grace period. There's going to be a learning curve heading from the West uh, WCC to the Big 12. Um, and I don't see Kansas or Baylor losing that conference, even if Gonzaga. Same thing with Houston. If they join the conference this year, um, I see both of those teams battling for who's going to finish starting in the conference. This is going to be a learning curve. You know, you're not used to Big 12 play. Big 12 is going to beat the shit out of you every single game. You have to be on your A game. <clears throat> and Josh, we said it with Drew Timmy. If he plays tougher competition or teams that are more physical to him, he shies away. And you're going to one of the most physical conferences in college basketball in the Big 12. No, that's completely fair. That That's uh, completely fair and a great point. I also think, though, Gonzaga has enough talent that they would bring an offense that the Big 12 doesn't see very often either. So it would kind of be the, the you know, apples and oranges comparison. So it would be a fun conversation. Let's hope that the Gonzaga rumors are true. I, we all kind of hate the conference realignment. <clears throat> but I think this one is actually because it's basketball only is a smart move and beneficial um, and it does help strengthen the Big 12 Conference, who will lose Texas and Oklahoma here in a few seasons. So they need that replacement. 
I mean, it'll be a new look Big 12, but uh, like I said, Kansas, potentially Gonzaga, Baylor, Texas Tech, um, Kansas State seems to be on the rise with Jerome Tang. I think in a few years they can get decent. West Virginia, um, Cincinnati, BYU. So it's going to be an interesting mesh of teams, but I think for basketball purposes it could be fun. I, I think that's the best word to describe it would be fun. Yeah, I don't hate conference alignment as long as it makes sense. And Gonzaga going to the Big 12 makes somewhat sense. UCLA and USC going to the Big 10 makes no sense at all. Well, again, uh, real, last thing on this, though, like logically they would move to the Pac-12 because of the region. But why would you move to the Pac-12 if the two best teams outside of Arizona are moving to the Big 10? So it's just you and Arizona battling. It wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, it would be like a glorified WCC in that way. So go to the Big 12 if you're going to do it. I'm, I'm okay with that. It's a lot better than moving the Big East like that rumor was all summer. That that wouldn't make a whole lot of sense at all. No, not really. Even though they're not really football-related um, and have been great for the basketball school, it still wouldn't make too much sense because that's all the way on the East Coast. Yeah, that would be dumb as hell. But yeah. I, re- I digress. Um Peyton, before we get into actual previewing games, got a couple other bits of uh, stuff to take care of. This is the return since it's a brand new season. It's a brand new return of Mr. Recruiter. Peyton, hit us with your recruiting news. Oh, boy. It's been a while since Mr. Recruiter has appeared on the show, but let's get it going. I ain't got too much news for you guys. I kind of kept it short because today's a big episode. We got to preview games later, so... I only got short news for you. Uh, five-star, last night actually, five-star, uh, or 2023 five-star uh, forward or guard, Mikey Williams has committed to Memphis. His teammate, his high school teammate, four-star 2023 forward, J.J. Taylor, has also committed to Memphis last night with them. Uh, I think both of them on their OV at Memphis, so they just got it to um, stay teammates, being high school teammates. They're going to be college teammates now, and Penny Hardaway has got – I think his first five-star guard that he's had since being at Memphis. He's had a lot of five-star uh, centers and, like, wing players. He hasn't really had a five-star guard, if I remember correctly. So, this is going to be the first. And Mikey Williams, I've been keeping tra- I'm keeping tabs with this kid uh, for a while now since he's, like, 15 years old um, playing in middle school. He's uh, when he, Before he started blowing up on Instagram. Um, this kid's phenomenal. He's an explosive athlete. He needs to work on his jump shot more. And, obviously, defensively, he's going to have to get a lot better. But, uh I think he's a star, and I think he's going to do well for Penny Hardaway, and Penny Hardaway is going to mold him into becoming a potential NBA player. So good pickup. Yeah, no, that's great pickups. It seems Memphis turbulent. They've had their own issues, and it seems like that they maybe steadied the waters. This is going to be a big year. Last year was a big year, getting back in the tournament, winning a game, pushing Gonzaga in the second round. Let's see if they can build upon that. But the one thing we always know is Penny's going to recruit well. A, a lot of new, fresh faces coming in. and that has a lot of talent to Memphis. So good on Memphis. Peyton, we didn't mention it, though. Um, it just happened about a month ago. We do have to shout out one special bit of recruiting news. Our buddy, go back a couple episodes ago, our buddy uh, Silas Demery Jr., the four-star guard out of um, North Carolina, well, planned for the prep school in North Carolina, committed to USC. Happy for that kid, happy for his family. I think going to play for Andy Enfield with his style of play, I think such a big deal. I think he's going to fit in well with uh, Coach Enfield and his system out there. Yep, Coach Enfield's got a baller. Um, Silas is going to be able to get buckets for him. He's going to be able to defend. And uh, 
He's on a stacked uh, high school academy, Combi uh, Combine Academy out of North Carolina. He's up there with Trenton Flowers. He's a five-star for next year's class. Laura's looking at him. He's up there with uh, one of our other boys, Oakeese Passmore, who's on the show. Yep. Um, there's a lot of other great talent down there at Combine Academy. So, yeah, it's going to be nice seeing him in the Pac-12, or actually the Big Ten. Um, for USC, it's going to be big time, and I think he's going to be able to pick up some numbers. It's going to impress a lot of people. Yeah, I've seen where they had, uh, I'm talking about Combine Academy, they had some like exhibition scrimmage type game yeah. a week or two ago, and he put up like 30. So yeah. our, our our boy is balling, son, so I'm happy for him going to USC. And you mentioned Rakeis. He continues to have the offers roll in. Tennessee, Indiana is looking Memphis, at him. Memphis, him. lots of high-level D1 programs. So I'm happy for our buddies who joined us back in the summer. Great, it's It's good to see good people have good things happen to them. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. we will definitely follow them through their college journeys. Peyton, now that your recruiting's done, it's time to done. Oh, go ahead. You, I, I thought you paused. Go ahead. My bad. I was pausing so you can talk about Mikey Williams. I ain't oh. done yet. I'm oh, finished and I'm finished. Go, go ahead then. I'm going. Five-star, tw 2024, five-star, top 15 recruit, Carter Bryant is on his official visit at Louisville this weekend. I'm sure he probably went to that Louisville football game yesterday against James Madison. Uh, we beat the shit out of them. Um, now at Bowl Eligible, hopefully the weekend. Uh, hopefully we might be winning next week. We'll see. But Carter Bryant, if you guys don't know, um, like I said, he's a top 15 recruit for next year's class. He's a big um, key player for us or a key lookout for us next year. Uh, he was supposed to go to the Louisville Live for his official visit. Uh, he ended up rescheduling. And the fact that he rescheduled says a lot about Louisville and what he thinks about Louisville because he's interested enough to reschedule because uh, he wants to learn about Louisville basketball and wants to learn more about KP and the staff. So, great news that he eventually rescheduled. Hopefully, A.J. Johnson follows suits and gets a, uh, an another OV scheduled here soon. But Carter Bryant, big-time player. Hopefully, to see him in a Cardinal uniform in a couple of years. Um, I did see another thing uh, with Carter Bryant that does concern me a little bit. We're com coming back to the NIL. I heard something that he could potentially make a million dollars at Syracuse if he commits to Syracuse. Whoa. We'll see. We'll see how big KP is on NIL because if he commits to uh, Syracuse over Louisville, then we know that KP's not the biggest fan of NIL and he didn't really match that. Because Louisville, can, I think, can match that or at least come close. Um, but moving yeah, on though, uh, 2023 four-star guard George Washington III has committed to Michigan. Uh, it kind of surprised me a little bit. I knew Michigan was in the running. I thought he'd go to Louisville, but turns out he didn't. Um, good player. I think he's going to do well for Coach Juan Howard, but it's kind of kind of surprised he didn't pick Louisville. But good on uh, Juan Howard for getting a, a tough a tough guard coming into next year's class. Um, 2023 five-star forward Ron Holland has committed to Chris Beard and Texas. He's committed a couple of days ago. Um, he's looking at Kentucky. Uh, even though he committed uh, cut Kentucky out of his top three, um, he's still looking at the Cats. That's a uh, big loss for Arkansas. Like, yeah. I think Arkansas thought they had him locked up for a long time. And for him to go to Texas, I think that's a huge loss for Arkansas. Without a doubt. He stayed home. Uh, he wanted to stay close to home. So that's where he's from. He's from the Texas area. So, great on Chris Beard. He's got a dog. Uh, excited to see uh, Ron Holland in a Texas uniform next year. And we'll see how he does. But great commit. And uh, Chris Beard's got a good one coming in next year. Um, last year on the Lukuni Nose, 2023 five-star guard Robert Dillingham yeah, has signed with Overtime Elite after his high school team, Donda Academy, closed down. Um, 
he still he keeps his college eligibility, so he'll still be at Kentucky next year. But he signed with Overtime Elite after dropping like 30 plus points in their opening game, or the open yeah the opening league opening game in the league. Um, good on him. Yeah, Most and I, I yeah I think there's some nervousness too amongst BBN that because he signed with Overtime that he might not be eligible or might not decide to keep his commitment. Um, I, I still feel good about it, but it's definitely a storyline to keep an eye on. The kid is lightning in a bottle. He's a big-time scorer. Um, I think for college purposes, he obviously needs to get a little stronger, needs to, I think, decision-making when he gets to the college level needs to be better, but an electric scorer. I mean, he went viral a couple weeks ago for that performance he put on where he was just going absolutely insane hitting shots. So I think it's a storyline to keep an eye on. As of now, he's still committed, but – We'll, it, just have to keep an eye on it. Tell you what, it could be another Shaden Sharp type situation. Well, that's the concern, right? That's yeah. what everybody's worried about, that he maybe never suits up for Kentucky. But I mean, we'll... I think he will. I think he wants to. Because you've seen when um, Avery, uh, not Avery, uh, Aaron Bradshaw committed, he was coming under his post saying national champions bound and shit like that. So I think he wants to go to Kentucky. Uh, we'll see after he, we'll see how he does in the overtime elite. If he pops off and has great, uh, puts up great numbers for them, then I'd start raising concern because uh, we'll see after that if he wants to keep his college eligibility, if he just wants to go straight to the draft. But I think he's coming to Kentucky, though. Yeah. Um, I, I'm with, news. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Peyton, before we get an extra preview in games, yesterday WWE had a big-time show in Saudi Arabia. They were there for um, – why can't I remember the name of the show? Crown Jewel. Crown Jewel, thank you. Went blank there for a second. Uh, great main event between Logan Paul and Roman Reigns. Go check it out on Peacock if you're a fan or you haven't seen it yet. But, Peyton, where's the only spot they need to go to if they want to hear all things pro wrestling-related content? Well, you go to Everything Pro Wrestling, hosted by none other than North Carolina Tall Heel fan, Conrad Cushman. And let's Conrad hear a word. Cushman is the let's, best. let's hear a word <laughs> from our friend, Conrad. Everything college basketball listeners, what's going on? It's Conrad Cushman from Everything Pro Wrestling. Everything Pro Wrestling is a show by the fans for the fans. And I'm here to let you know how you guys can catch up on all the latest and greatest in the world of pro wrestling. You guys can go to YouTube.com, type in Everything Pro Wrestling, give us a subscribe. We are over a 1,000 subscribers now, and we have achieved a YouTube partnership if you guys want to be in the live chats, come on in, join us, and talk pro wrestling. We record AEW Dynamite every Wednesday. We also talk about WWE, Ring of Honor, Impact Wrestling, New Japan Pro Wrestling, and your local indies, and much, much more. So make sure you guys are subscribed to Everything Pro Wrestling. You can also listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. All of the live streams are transferred right onto there. But enough of me talking about pro wrestling. Let's get you back to listening to everything college basketball. There we go. You hear it from our buddy Conrad Cushman and everything pro wrestling, our sister site. Go give them a follow on the Facebook group, on YouTube, and on Twitter. Uh, they do tremendous work covering everything pro wrestling related content. Go give them a follow. Tell me CB sent you. Peyton, now that we got everything out the way. Let's turn our attention to week one of college basketball. We finally have games. We alluded to at the top of the show that not the greatest games, that Champions Classic's not leading off the year. But I don't care. I'm going to watch everything under the sun that I possibly can watch. 
But we kick things off tomorrow night. Some interesting games, I guess you should say. Let's start with the most interesting one of night one of college basketball, and that's a battle in the volunteer state when Memphis goes to Vanderbilt, plays at the Coliseum, the crazy court design, everything. We just talked about Memphis, you know, their recruiting and all that. And I've talked about it. If you haven't seen the magazine yet or you haven't listened to summer shows, man, I like this Vanderbilt team. Peyton, what can we expect from when Memphis plays at Vandy tomorrow night? It's going to be a rough night for Memphis because, Josh, just just in case people don't know, how tough it is, how tough is it to play at Vanderbilt? It is extremely difficult because the the benches are on the ends. They're on the ends. They're not on the sidelines. They're on the end lines. So coaches have to literally walk around to the side to communicate to their team, and you're only allowed to go so far. So you need veteran teams that have leaders on the floor that help can communicate, especially when you're away on the other end of the basket, away from your bench. You have to lock in and be on the communication end. That's where you need vocal leaders to help you through. And Vanderbilt is going to be a handful this year, I think. I mean, only won 19 games last year. Uh, they made it to the quarters and losing to eventual NIT champs, Xavier by two. We know Scottie Pippen Jr. is gone. But this team, Jordan Wright's back. Miles Stutz back. The big man in the middle, Liam Robbins. They've got some dudes. Plus, they bring in a couple four-stars. A center, Lee Door, A guard, Noah Shelby. A forward, Colin Smith. I like this Vanderbilt team. We know they've got some dudes who can flat shoot. They've got a couple like thir- or 40% three-point shooters back. I like this team. I think they're a handful and playing at home to open the year up. You know they're going to be motivated to play this ultra-talented Memphis squad. I think if Memphis slips up or they're not mentally prepared, I think Vanderbilt could win this game fairly comfortable, especially if the three-point shot's fallen. Yeah, I agree. You mentioned Jordan Wright, a uh, senior 6'6", six, six, uh, six, six, uh, forward. Uh, he averaged 12.3 points per game last year. He's going to be a big uh, factor in this game if they do well. Um, they got a nice, looking at their roster, they got a nice balanced roster between the experienced players and top-level freshmen coming in. They got three seniors, uh, four juniors, and like three freshmen or for surrounding the roster. So they got a nice balance of experience and inexperienced players coming into this year. So I think Vanderbilt could be one of those sleeper teams in the SEC that teams need to watch out for, like you said. Um, you can go, if you want to know why, just go check out the magazine, etsy.com slash shop slash ECB shop 10. Go check it out uh, so you can learn all about Vanderbilt and Memphis. Um, but yeah, Memphis is going to be in trouble. Vanderbilt, as far as them goes, they got to keep Memphis off the offensive glass. Uh, last year, Memphis ranked top five in offensive rebounding percentage. I think it was actually fourth or fifth. Uh, there was a top offensive rebounding team last year. And even though they do lose a lot of production from last year's team, Amani Bates, Jalen Duran, Landers Nolly II, Wesley Cornones, they lost a lot of production. But under Pretty Hardway, I imagine they're still going to be pretty good when it comes to offensive rebounding. They were, they, were fifth, they were fifth last fifth, year. Fifth, fifth. I knew it was yeah. top five. Um, so if you're Vanderbilt, you got to do your best to keep them from getting second chance points. If you do that, I think Vanderbilt has a very good chance of holding home court and defeating the Tigers in Memphis. And we've seen the slow progression since Jerry Sackhouse took over. Um, this team's getting better. They were almost a 21 team last year. You know, made the NIT, gave Xavier a run. And we just heard over this last week that in a secret scrimmage, 
according to Jeff Goodman, Vanderbilt put it on Xavier. Yeah. We all think Xavier's a tournament team. I'm telling you, I'm beating the Vanderbilt drum. I think that they're interesting. I think that they have just the right mix. I believe in Jerry Stackhouse as a coach. And I think Memphis, if they are not – the one thing we've seen with Penny Hardaway's teams since he's took over at Memphis is they will defend. They will yep. get to you. They will defend in the half court and make life a living hell. They like to switch the ball screens. Sometimes they'll go under it and make you dare you to shoot three. But you can't do that with this Vanderbilt team. They've got guys who want to spread you out and shoot in transition, in the half court. They have to guard the three-point line, turn Vanderbilt into a driving team, not a cutting team because they will get burnt on a back cut. Make them a 1v1 uh, driving team to the lane if that happens, Memphis has guys who can protect the rim. That's to their favorite. But if they allow Vanderbilt to spread you out and hit threes on pick and pops and you know, dribble replacements and all that stuff, I think it could be a long night for Memphis. Memphis has to keep Vanderbilt grounded in the half court, turn them into a 1v1 driving team, and then I think they got a good shot. If not, I like Vanderbilt in this game. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Memphis. Um, a problem they had starting out the year, even though they put it up, like, starting the year, the first three games, they shot, like, or they had, like, 90 points or put up 90 points in their first three games. They still struggled offensively, um, especially early half in the season. So they got to find their rhythm offensively starting up to this game. Uh, on the road, you can't be have a cold shooting night uh, when you're playing on the road, especially at a place like Vanderbilt. Um, so the offense, the offense in recent years has struggled tremendously early in the season. They definitely started to pick it up last year, uh, second half of the year, when they started to make the run, and they gave Gonzaga a game in the second round, almost beat them, probably should have beat them, to be honest. Um, the offense got a lot better, but under Pity Hardaway, I think yeah, the offense will be better. It will be smoother because they got one of my favorite players in the country coming into this year, probably the second-best guard behind Marcus, Marcus Sasser, um, this season, and his name is Kendrick Davis. Kendrick Davis, last year for SMU, he averaged, he's a grad transfer, he averaged 19.4 points per game. He had over four or close to four rebounds per game and four and a half assists per game. This kid's a fucking stud. He's going to put up big-time numbers, and this is really the first um, big-time, like, on-ball guard that Memphis has had under Pretty Hardaway. Yeah, they had Landers Nari the third, or the second, excuse me, but he wasn't really a point guard. He was more of a shooting guard, combo guard type. He wasn't really initiating the offense like uh, Kendrick Davis will. So if Kendrick Davis, we're going to see how good he is playing that at Vanderbilt because their defense is going to make sure they keep him uh, in check and not uh, keep him under 25 points. So it's going to be an interesting game. I think Vandy has a really good shot if they hit threes, like you mentioned, of holding uh, holding uh, home court. I don't think it's going to happen, though. Kendrick Davis is going to be the best player in the four. And they got some other guys, too. They got – hold on, let me pull up the roster again. Uh, they got DeAndre Williams, grad chance Williams, for grad yep. senior coming back, 11 points per game, six rebounds – 11 points per game, six rebounds per game. Alex Lomax coming back, six points per game, four assists per game, three rebounds per game. Um, they got Keontae Kennedy, redshirt senior, 14 well, points per game. They got well, some dogs. What so. we were talking about at the start of this, the keys to if you want to win at Vandy, you got to be experienced and have guys who communicate. Well, Memphis has been known to be kind of the young team, but they're experienced this year, so I think that will help them. You mentioned Kendrick Davis. He's a stud. It'd be interesting to see how him and Nolly kind of play off of each other. Um, let's talk about the stars real quick. Kendrick Davis. Uh, for Memphis and Jordan Wright for Vandy, Peyton, 
who uh who outplays who in this game uh i think davis does i think davis in my eyes is the clear best player on the floor and i think he has i think he'll get about 20 points over 20 points close to that range but anywhere between 18 and 22 points um in this game but it's gonna be tough they're gonna make him work for it um let's prediction time first official predictions of the the new season peyton uh who wins memphis or vandy Oh shit! I think mm, I think Vandy actually holds home court and gets this dub. Starts off one and out, and the reason is I think Kendrick Davis, like I just mentioned, will be the best player in the four. He's gonna go close to twenty points per game. They're gonna shut everyone else down though. Um, both of these teams are experienced. I just think Vandy, the home court advantage is gonna be too much. Defense is gonna be too much for the rest of Memphis's players to overcome. Uh, Vanderbilt's gonna hit some shots as well. Then open up their offense against uh, Memphis. Uh, he's pretty good defensively as well, under Penny Hardaway. Vanderbilt holds home court, gets the job done, beats Memphis in probably a low-scoring game. I imagine it's going to be under uh, 70 points. So I think Memphis or Vanderbilt wins 68-62. to 62. I, I'm actually with you. I'm going Vandy in this game because I think that Memphis, as good as they can be defensively in the half court, they're going to have some lapses where they lose a three-point shooter they get back cut. Um, and then I, I do think a factor that I would not be surprised to see is I would not be surprised to see Coach Stackhouse go zone at times. Maybe not the whole game, but at times and mix it in. And Memphis is going to have to be proven that they can be a consistent three-point threat. And I think with that, that can slow them down in the half court, keep them out of transition as much as they want to be. I like Vandy in this game. First game of the year. Uh, it's a tough one for Memphis to go play there. I've got Vandy winning the 78-71. I think it'll be a little higher scoring maybe we think, but I think it's going to be an entertaining game all the way through. I think it's one of those games Vandy pulls away in like the final two and a half, three minutes to secure the dub. And I think Vandy's off and flying. I think Memphis is going to have to figure out uh, what kind of team they are exactly besides being a solid defensive side. So um, real quick on Monday, this wasn't part of our pickums. I do want to just real briefly talk. Kentucky opens up against Howard. Um, it sounds like no Oscar Sheway, no Xavier Wheeler, but it should be a problem. The Cats, after looking sluggish in the first exhibition game, they exploded in the second one. Like what I see from CJ Frederick, like what I see from Antonio Reeves, those two dudes will probably shoot 40% from three or better. And uh, both can play backup point guard. Kason Wallace, good defender. Played point guard without Savir on the floor. Um, and then the guy who's really impressed me is Ugana Kingsley Onyesu. Um, he is, you don't want to call him a baby Oscar, but he does kind of do a lot of the similar stuff Oscar does besides being an offensive threat right now. Block shots, rebounds really well, defends his position well, uh, needs to be a better offensive threat. But I think Kentucky shouldn't have that big of an issue against Howard. I, I could see... Uh, Frederick, um, Reeves, both having 20 plus points, probably five or six guys, double figures should be a comfortable win to open the year up. Well, quick, uh, Frederick and Antonio Reeves combined threes. How many do they hit? Uh, against, uh, Howard. Yeah. Against Howard. Uh, um, between them both, I say like nine. Yeah. Nine, I, mean, I think about close to 10. Uh, I think nine just between the both of them because their shooting strokes are so pure. Like, it is so pure. So, I, I think they're a, a lethal threat. CJ is money for this team. Uh, yep. you just got to stay healthy. 
But let's move on to Wednesday night, Peyton. The other one of the other games we had on list. Um, the only reason I think we put this one on here is because you just don't know. Louisville lost an exhibition game, bounced back and won their second one against Chaminade, but did not make it look easy. And on Wednesday night, they got to open the year up against in-city, I guess you call them rival, in-city rival Bellarmine. Scotty Davenport's teams are a bitch to play because how they spread you out, constant cuts, constant movement. They are a pain in the ass to play, and Louisville is going to have to figure this out in a hurry, or it could be upset City. Peyton, this is your team. Let's hear it. Man, this is going to be a tough game. Bellman, doesn't matter who we have coaching, whether it's Rick Pitino, Kenny Payne, uh, or Chris Mack, it doesn't matter. Bellman always gives us a game, whether it's an exhibition or now they're playing us. Uh, I think it's the first time they've played us. Uh, did we play last year? No, we didn't play last year. This is the first time they played us on being under a D1 team. Uh, so this is going to be a very interesting game. You mentioned Scotty Davenport. He's got a – he has got um, – He's got a lot of players. He got a lot of players losing last year. Dylan Penn led him in scoring 16.6 points per game. Lost another 15-point uh, score. C.J. Fleming, or Fleming, how the hell you say his last name. Also lose Ethan Claycomb, 8.8.5 points per game. So they lose those three big pieces, but they do bring back Kurt Hoff, a sophomore, 7 points, 4 rebounds per game. Uh, Justin Betts, 7.7 rebounds per game. So they got a lot of pieces coming back. Or, yeah, coming back. Uh, this Bellum team is going to be sneaky good. Uh, it's going to be tough for Louisville. If there's ever a definition of a trap game, this would be it. And I knew it as soon as I found out that Louisville's tipping off this season against Bellum. No, I, I'm with you on that. I'm with you. By the way, do you uh, you mentioned Kurt Hopp. Um, do you know where he played high school ball at? No. Bar Reeve. He, he was part of their mm. state championship team in 1A here in Indiana. Uh, Peyton, by the way, we have the rolling ticker going down across the bottom that has all the top 25 teams in their games for opening night. So you can follow along with that on if you're watching the live video here. Uh, let's prediction time then, Peyton. Louisville hasn't looked great in exhibition play. Um, they are definitely going to have to have their front court players step up. They should be bigger than Bellerman. I think you got to dominate the paint. I know you mentioned it, Chaminade. You got out rebounded early on, which cannot happen in this game or it can't happen all year, but especially when you play lesser competition, I think this is another close one, man. I think Louisville struggles. I mean, I'm picking the cards to squeak one out. I, I I'm going to say, cause they're struggling scoring the ball. I'm going to say they win 63 58. And I think Bellarmine keeps it close and gives them a hell of a scare to open the year because Bellarmine is going to open them up, spread them out I, w I actually wouldn't mind Louisville playing a little bit of zone in this. I know it's yeah. bad to say, but keep yourself from getting exposed defensively on these back cuts and dribble drives and stuff. I think you play a little bit of zone if Coach Payne's smart about this. At least mix it in, and uh, I think Bellarmine's going to give them a game, but I think in the day the cards win. I think the backcourt does just enough late in the game to pull it out. Here's my keys for both teams. I saw a little versions of my team. Uh, you got to hit seven plus, seven or more threes in this game. You got to open up the offense. Last year, we were one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the ACC and in the country in general. Um, just could not hit a bucket or could not hit a shot from three. So if we can open up Bellarmine's defense, make them come guard us on the perimeter, um, hit shots like we did in our both exhibition games against Lenore Ryan and uh, Chaminade, 
Um, I think we'll be in a, that'll help us a lot offensively finally with them. Help our bigs get more touches down low as well. Uh, so hit seven plus threes. We got like you said, we gotta use our size to dominate the glass. You can't be giving up second chance opportunities. Uh, we have us. We'll definitely have the size advantage over uh, Bellman. So if we can use our size to dominate the glass, uh, Cook always says um, when he looks at a game, if you dominate the glass, then you have a very high chance of winning the game. And I agree. Uh, and most importantly, and I put this in all caps in my notes, effort. You got to show effort. Yep. You can't be lazy defensively. You can't be missing assignments defensively. You can't be giving up offensive second-chance points. You got to get your ass ready to go. Be motivated. With this whole IARP ruling, we got Louisville fans, men's basketball fans, buzzing right now. I'm sure it's going to be – I don't think it will be a packed Yum Center, but there will definitely be a lot of fans in the Yum Center just wanting this team to show a lot of effort. That's something they didn't do against Lenore Ryan. And they didn't do it in the first half against Chaminade. So show effort. If you do that, Louisville has a high chance of winning this game. Bellman, go after LLS. Target him the whole damn game. Get him in foul trouble. Because if you take him completely out of the game, Louisville doesn't have any other good guards. They don't have Fabio Bazzilli. Should be a senior in high school. He's undersized already. Stepping in the college game. Mike James is coming off a big injury. He's not necessarily a point guard. He's more of a shooting guard, more of a defender, too. So he's not going to be able to initiate the offense like an L. Ellis would. So if you take L. Ellis out the game, you're pretty much taking him whole Wolves backward out of the game because they ain't got anyone else to handle the ball. That's key number one. Key number two, force Wolves some turnovers. You got to get some turnovers. Bellman last year was ranked top 50 in steal percentage. So if you can get, if you can force Wolves in some turnovers, that's going to be a big uh, key opponent for your Bellman. And lastly, if you can keep this game close with four minutes to go, who do you trust more, Kenny Payne or Scotty Davenport? Oh, I, I no offense, I like KP. You know oh, that. I know, I but know. he's no an good. unproven head coach, exactly. and and Scotty Davenport's been doing this for a long time. If this game is close under four minutes to go, <clears throat> excuse me, I think Bellman wins this game. So if they can do that, keep it close, not let it get too out of hand, keep it between a couple possession game um, with under four minutes to go, and I think Bellman can win. Final prediction, I want, well, not say I want, but I start hardly on going with Bellman because I think this is a big trap game for Louisville. But I believe, and I'm letting, I'm being honest, I'm letting my fandom and my bias get too much out of me here. <laughs> I can't imagine with all this stuff happening all season, the IARP ruling in our favor, all the momentum we have heading into the program, all the excitement. I just can't imagine Kenny Payne, Kenny Payne starting 0-1 in his first uh, game under Louisville. I just can't imagine. It's going to be close. It's going to be low scoring, like you said. But Louisville just squeaks out a victory, 65-61. to 61. Anywhere around that margin. It's going to be low scoring, though. It's going to be tough. It's going to have me nervous, biting my damn nails. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think this is an interesting game. Um, Peyton, real quick, again, this is another one that's not on the official prediction one, but I've seen it scrolling through the bottom. For Indiana fans, they open up with uh, Moorhead State on tomorrow night on Monday evening. Should be a, an easy win for Indiana. Uh, Moorhead State, obviously their best player last year. From last season, Johnny Broom is now with Auburn. Um, anything real quick to keep an eye out for Indiana. I, I know I want to see them hit threes. I want to see the young guys. I want to see uh, CJ Gunn get some minutes and shoot the ball. I want to see 
Um, Jalen Hood, Shafino take over. I want to see Malik Renault spell TJD if he plays and dominate. And I want to see some of the veterans like Miller Cop hit threes finally consistently. And obviously, I want to see Xavier Johnson play under control, play like Xavier Johnson in the month of March that helped Indiana make it to the tournament by winning those games of the Big Ten tournament, win a game against Wyoming. And then ultimately they got blown out by St. Mary's, but that Xavier Johnson was good. He can't be bad Xavier Johnson this year, or else I don't think he stays in the starting lineup. So those are the kind of couple things. I think Indiana wins this comfortably. They've dominated both their exhibition games. I think Indiana wins this one like 89-52 or something. Looks comfortable, but those are the individual play plays and players I want to see out of this game. Yeah, I like to see Chase Jackson Davis develop a mid range jump shot. Or if he if he even if he doesn't hit him, I don't care if he goes 0 and four from the mid range jump shot from the mid range. At least shoot the damn thing. At least keep the defense honest. Uh, makes you a tougher player to defend offensively. So if you can do that, that'd be nice. I like to see him hit close to about 12 threes in this game. Uh, I know probably a lot of people is like, oh, the Peyton 12 threes is a lot. I don't give a damn. Uh, they struggled from the three point line the last five years. Um, so it's going to be difficult for them. So if they can hit 12 threes or anywhere close to that, I'll say just to make it easier, 10 plus threes. If you can do that, then I think this Indiana team would just beat the shit out of them at State. They're going to anyways, but, you know, I agree with your margin about 85, uh, 57, some shit like that. Uh, Indiana should win comfortably. Yeah, comfortably. And the, Peyton, the, the big one of the week of week one here. Friday night on the aircraft carrier, we've got Michigan State at Gonzaga. I think – I know our answer for the pick here, so I just want to pose it like this. Can Michigan State do enough to make Gonzaga nervous in this game? Can they do enough to make Gonzaga nervous in this game? Um, Yeah, make it within a possession or two in the final couple minutes. No. Final couple minutes, no. I do want to point out, since this is in a different type of venue – the last time we've seen games like this, the shooting was not great because of the conditions of the floor, the, out, the outer arenas. It's going to be a different type of floor, which could favor, in a way, Michigan State's rough and tough style. But if the conditions are right, I think Gonzaga could just roll in this one. Either way, I mean, I think Gonzaga is going to comfortably win, especially when it gets under three minutes, under four minutes. I think Gonzaga will pull it away, even if it is a close game. When it comes to Michigan State, though, if they do want to keep this a game, they do want to be close with under four minutes to go, they got to make Gonzaga hit three shot, hit three pointers on them. If they make Gonzaga into a three-point shooting team, I think Michigan State will have a, a chance to win this game, or at least keep it uh, close. Uh, they also got to clean up the glass. You can't be giving Gonzaga and Drew Timmy second chance points. You can't be doing that. They're normally probably going to hit a shot on their first attempt. You damn sure can't give them a second attempt, and you can't yep. give them more than that either. So you got to clean up the offensive glass and defensive glass. Um, and lastly, where they at? Uh, hint, hit 10 plus threes yourself. I mentioned it for Indiana. Last year, Michigan State was one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country. I think it was like top 50. They shot 37.8% from three. Uh, it's a very good percentage. If they can do, if they can hit 10 plus threes against Gonzaga, open up their defense, make Drew Timmy come out and guard them on the perimeter, then Michigan State could win this game potentially. Uh, I just don't see it happening. Drew Timmy is going to be the best player in the four. Yeah, over under uh, Drew Timmy of a uh, 15.11 board uh, double double. I thought he was going to say over and under how many times he flexes his muscle after he scores. But um, <laughs> uh, 
I'll say under because I think Jubin Shaw is gonna have a big game, and I think he's gonna they're gonna lead him in scoring. The the one guy I want to see for Gonzaga to step up this year as a sophomore is Nolan Hickman. Originally committed to Kentucky, then changed it, went to Gonzaga last year. Didn't find the playing time I think he expected, but he was playing behind some really good guards, uh, Andrew Nimhard, guys like that. I want to see him as a sophomore, a year older, ter- develop into the player we all thought he was coming out of high school. He'll, he should get more minutes. Um, I don't even know if he'll crack the starting rotation, but he could be like a sixth man. I want to see him show up like we all think he can. Um, and it, by doing that, he could average like nine and a half, ten a game, shoot the ball well, take care of the basketball, be a decent defender. I want to see him step up because I think Gonzaga needs it. And we're going to see how Gonzaga – I mean, they play North Florida open the season up with um, on Monday night, I think, tomorrow night. And that, that's not going to be a game. Let's be real about that. But I want to see how they respond against a tough, physical Michigan State team after getting exposed, kind of, by Tennessee in that charity game. I mean, Tennessee kind of bullied them around there in the second half. So let's see if Gonzaga has learned from that, developed, and see how they handle the pressure against Michigan State. Because we know one thing about Tom Izzo teams. You're talking about Louisville lack of effort. Michigan State's going to – they're going to play hard. They're going to play hard. Whether they're good or not good, they're going to play hard. So let's see how Gonzaga withstands that pressure. But official prediction time, I've got Gonzaga winning this and scoring a bunch of points. I've got them scoring – 92 points. I think they win like 92-79. Yeah, I got Gonzaga winning pretty comfortably. I say 84-73. Yeah, I, I just, I don't know. Maybe Michigan State surprises us. I feel like that's the motto. Every time it, we count out Tom Izzo and don't expect much of his teams, that seems to be his final four teams. It wouldn't surprise me if Michigan State jumps out to like a 10-4 lead earlier in the game. And then Gonzaga, you know, comes back motivated, comes out of a timeout from Muckview um, and starts hitting some shots and really opening the game up after that. But it wouldn't surprise me if Michigan State opens out, uh, opens up the game with like a six-point lead, something like that. Would not surprise me either. Peyton, we mentioned it. Um, not a whole lot of great action week one. Any other teams that play this week that maybe you want to touch on real quick? Uh, I think Kansas opens up their game against Omaha. Um, yeah, they do. I see it on the bottom ticker there. They play uh, Omaha um, on Monday. So it's going to be interesting to see how they play without Bill Self. We'll see how the team responds after not having their coach. Uh, we'll see how Norm Lovitz does. Uh, but it's a good thing. I'll tell you what, it is a good thing, even though he's going to miss the Duke game anyways. But at least gives Norm Lovitz extra expectations or extra chances to get his team ready and get his uh, – game plan ready for Duke uh, instead of Champions Classic open up the college basketball season like it normally does. So I think that is a good thing that uh, it doesn't open up the season because then Norm Roberts would have to open up his coaching experience <laughs> against Duke. So Yeah, that would thing. suck, wouldn't it? Yeah, that fucking suck. <laughs> uh, good, thing. good thing he has a couple games to get ready for Duke and get his experience ready. So, uh, But I think Kansas is going to beat the show. Even though they struggled in that exhibition game against whoever the hell it was, I don't even remember. Um, they was down like 15-4. Oh, they played Pittsburgh State. Pittsburgh State, yeah. They was down 15-4, and then their defense started to play better. They started full-court pressing, and uh, I think that's going to be a big factor. Look at Kansas full-court pressing, starting to pressure teams and get out of transition. This is going to sound so wrong, but oh, oh well. Uh, I like that dick player. <laughs> I, I, 
I like Grady Dick, though. Seriously, though. In, in all seriousness, though, you watched him against Pittsburgh State. The kid just looks like a baller. Like, he for real looks like a baller. Like, he could take you off the bounce. He's athletic enough. He obviously shoots the ball well. He was intense on def- on the defensive end when they needed stops. I think this kid could be, be in for a special year. Um, we knew he was talented coming in, but I feel like he's going to be huge for Kansas if they want to make another run this year. Um, so I, I'm curious to watch him throughout the course of the year, how he continues to develop. We talked about last week, I want to see Jalen Wilson be the guy. He has to be the guy as a junior. Let's see if he continues to develop. Peyton, a couple other teams real quick. Let's talk about n- number one, North Carolina. They open up against UNC Wilmington. Should be an easy breezy cakewalk for the defending or for the number one team in the ECB top 25 preseason poll and the AP poll. Um, Carolina should not be challenged in this game. I would no. expect big numbers from some of their key guys like Caleb Love, like Armando Baycott. Um I, I I think Carolina wins comfortably. I want to see how a guy like um, Pete Nance does, though. I'm real curious to see if he can fill that Brady Manic role. I want to see how he plays. Even though they should win comfortably, I, I'm going to have my eye on him. Well, I want to see how Seth Trimble does, four-star guard coming off the bench. I want to see how he does in his first college game because if North Carolina wants to get back to the Final Four this year, they're going to have to have a backup option for R.J. Davis and Caleb Love. Because that's something that's what cost them in that championship game last year. They didn't have a backup for Caleb Love and R.J. Davis, a reliable backup guard player to come off the bench. It really relieved the pressure off Davis and Love. That's why Love and Davis was playing like almost 40 minutes a game, or over 30 minutes a game, excuse me. And that's why they was end up being tired and couldn't really hit shots in that Kansas game and championship game last year. So I'm curious to see if Seth Trimble can be that guy coming off the bench, a reliable option. So we'll see how good he can be. But I'll tell you what, I'm I'm not banking on it. I'm not guaranteeing two things. But it wouldn't shock me if R.J. Davis goes for 30 and Amanda Pickett gets another double-double. That I am not will not be surprised. Nope. But let's move to their biggest rival, Duke. Um, they opened up the year against Jacksonville. Our, our uh, colleague, Phil, was in attendance for their last exhibition game. Got to see him firsthand. That's why I was hoping he'd be able to make it today to uh, kind of go over his experiences. Um you know, Duke blew out. I forget who they played, but they blew them out. Um, we're able to see some of the guys. Phil's got a nice article on the House College Hoops about Duke, that Duke team. They should win comfortably. Um, they are down Derek Lively. I don't think he'll yeah. be back for this game. And they're down with Dark Whitehead. Don't think he'll be back for this game. I think the biggest key or concerns I have for Duke is how do they look without them. Again, in the exhibition game, they were able to win but I didn't think they looked great. They looked stagnant at times, and then at times they looked real good. Uh, should win this game, but, man, I think for them to make a run, they're going to have to have Lively and Whitehead back because, uh, I don't know, that Philip uh, Filipowski oh, kid, Kyle Filipowski, I already mentioned it. He's going to already – I was watching that game, and I was like, he looks like a Duke player. I already don't like him. Not that I don't like him. Personally, or his game, I just don't like this. He, I just, he looks like a Duke player. I don't I mean he's my new Grant Williams, probably. Yeah. I, they were beating the shit out of this team. He got a wide open dunk. The move wasn't great. He got a wide open two handed slam and he started flexing and beating his chest. I'm like, okay, I don't like you. <laughs> he, he's supposed to come in as a three point shooter. He didn't really shoot the ball well. Uh, Phil in attendance was texting and said that uh, Coach Shire was all over him. 
for mistakes he kept making. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about this Duke team. I want to see them test it against Kansas in the Champions Classic next week to start making decisions. But I do know this. They need Whitehead at, at the or in the backcourt, and they need Derek Lively as their center guy to be as good as possible. Without them, they're going to win games, but I think they're going to be stagnant too on offense. <sighs> the jury's still going to be out for a while in this Duke team, but should win comfortably in this game. I'm looking at Jeremy Roach. I'm not buying stock that he can have a big time, like all American type year this year. Like a lot of people, I've seen a lot of people say he could. Um, if he does, then that changes his Duke team completely in my eyes because last year he was very lackluster, especially early in the season. Um, didn't really play well uh, in the tournament. He had a couple of good games. ACC, ACC tournament he had some good games. Um, but I just don't think he's going to be that point guard that steadies the waters for them. He turns the ball over too much. Um, he's not the greatest three-point shooter. He's not the best defender either. So, curious to see how well he does. I would not shock me if later in the season if uh, uh, Coach Shire goes with Tyrese Proctor starting over Jeremy Roach. Have Roach Proctor, coming off the by bench. the by the way, I'm sorry. Uh, Phil was impressed with Tyrese Proctor. He just kept raving about how good he looked. Yeah, and I kind of like I mentioned to you yesterday when we was talking. Oh, no, it wasn't yesterday. It was after the last exhibition. It was Thursday, last exhibition game for Kentucky and uh, Louisville, where we talked about about thirty minutes talking about both teams. Uh, kind of like I told you with like Oscar Shibway and um, Savia Will. You can't really play them both on the floor because not neither of them can hit a shot. You know they're not great shooters. And if you get on a pick and roll situation, you're not really worried about either one of them uh, hitting shots. And it's the same way with Duke, because like I said, Jeremy Roach isn't a great three-point shooter. You can't really have him and Derek Lively on the same floor. Lively is not a scorer. He'll probably, he'll, he'll probably average uh, more than 10 points per game this year. It's probably what you're going to do. Uh, that's probably going to be off dunks and shit, but he's not the greatest scorer. He's more of a defender. Um, and Filipowski, you mentioned it. He's supposed to be a three-point shooter. He's supposed to stretch it out, hit shots. So if Jeremy Roach does start at point guard, it would not shock me later in the year if Filipowski takes over that center spot uh, over Derek Lively because then that makes him more lethal because Jeremy Roach isn't a great shooter, but he's a decent passer, so he'll be able to find him. Either way, if you do start Lively, I think you got to start uh, Tyrese Proctor at point guard. And if you start Derek Lively at a center, or if you, excuse me, if you start Filipowski at center, then you start Jeremy Roach. So it's either one of those two. But Duke is going to beat the shit out of whoever they play. Oh, yeah, Jacksonville. They're going to whoop them. Um, but it's, it's a couple things to keep an eye on. Uh, Peyton, real quick, anybody in the top 25 this week that should be concerned, potentially on upset watch? Because I've got one game I'm keying in on, and I'll tell you why. Um, no, I have to pull the schedule up. Uh, top of my head, I don't think there's – I think most teams in the top 25 should hold chalk. Um, there's not really a game real, I can think of. Real quick, LaSalle at Villanova. Villanova's been banged up most of the summer and fall camp. They've had points where they've barely had seven or eight guys, scholarship guys that can practice. We know how great Cam Whitmore is. But new head coach, Kyle Neptune, let's see how if he can keep the Villanova culture going. LaSalle, not going to be great, but it is part of the big five Philadelphia team rivalries. This is going to be heated. It's going to be intense because of the rivalry game. If Villanova is not fully healthy, not ready to go, not hitting shots, not doing the little things, 
I'm telling you, I think they could be on upset alert. I don't think it will. I think Villanova ends up winning comfortably. But of the top 25, I do want to keep an eye on that because that is a tough game to play. The Big Five Philadelphia rivalry game against a hungry LaSalle team that's going to come in, probably want to establish their dominance against you. Plus, and we got to figure out how Kyle Neptune looks against as the Villanova head coach. And if they're healthy, there's a lot of question marks right now surrounding Villanova that we don't, normally don't have. I think Villanova wins this game, not saying they don't, and probably comfortably, probably by 20, 30 points. But I'm, this is the one, I think, if there was an upset in the top 25 this weekend or this week, this is the one I'm kind of most interested in because I think it could be a little closer than what people think. I got one. That's uh, not that one. I think that's a good one. The LaSalle definitely could get uh, upset Villanova. I think Villanova would be able to hold chalk, though, and get that game done or get that win under Colin Uptude's first game, uh, taking over Villanova. I got one, and it tips off at the exact same time as Villanova. That could potentially be an upset. Uh, 22 Michigan taking on Purdue-Fort Wayne. Uh, yeah, Purdue-Fort Wayne is the favorite to win the Horizon League this year, um, as they should because they bring back – where is my notes right here? Uh, they finished – they had a 21-win season last year, 15-6. They won the Horizon League last year as well. Um, they only lose one player. Jalen Pipkins, 13.5 points per game. Uh, they bring back a lot of production, though, from last year's 20-point or 21 team. Uh, they bring back grad senior Jared Goffrey, 15 points per game, four, rebound, four and a half rebounds per game, four assists per game. Damian Chong Kwai, Kui, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> grad senior, you'll probably hear that name later on the season, too. Kui, uh, Kui. Grad senior, <laughs> Kui, Kui. Grad senior, 10, 10 a game. Uh, Deontay Billups Sr., 9 points per game. Bobby Planutis, uh, another grad senior, 8.5. And, and uh, Ra Koedi, motherfucker these names, uh, 8.5 <laughs> points per game and 6 rebounds per game. So they got a lot of production, a lot of seniors, a lot of grad seniors, a lot of experience. It's at Michigan. We've seen Michigan get upset last year with Marquette, uh, which we didn't expect. So they're not prone to being upset in Michigan. I'm just saying, keep a lookout on that game because I do think this Purdue Fort Wayne team is a tournament team, and we got them favorite to win the Rising League this year because they got a lot of production, a, lot, a good team. I think that's a great shout, actually. I think that's a really good shout. Um, Peyton, let's start wrapping things up for episode 120 here. Let's go into the bank on it's or back, baby. Oh, Hopefully shit. by next week we have a nice little uh, image we can throw up for the YouTube channel, but for this week we'll we'll do it old school style. Peyton. Bank on it. We're going to keep track of our bank on its correct and incorrect predictions this year. So let's start off strong. Um, you want to take the honors first? Or you want me to go first? Well, it was supposed to be Phil, but that cocksucker ain't here, so he can't go first. <laughs> um, but so I guess in deck, I guess next up is going to be you. I go last. All right. Uh, let me find that. You better game. not I'll... take mine, because we will fight. I know where you at. On Friday night, and by the way, you can get tickets as low as $3, but on Friday night, you know my love for the SoCon. SoCon's getting a win over the ACC, baby, on Friday night because UNC Greensboro is going to Miami, the NIL haven that is Miami, and they're taking down the Hurricanes. I love the SoCon. This UNC Greensboro team returned 72% of their point production from last year. Boz Leite, 9.5 or 9.5 points per game returns. We have them predicted third in the magazine to finish in the 
the SOCON behind good Furman and good Chattanooga. I had UNC Greensboro to challenge them as well. It should be a tight race in the SOCON one bid league this year. I'm telling you, this Miami team, we know with Nigel Pack and with Isaiah Wong, they're going to make up a dynamic backcourt and they're going to be interesting and fun. But this is a tough game as for your number two game of the year. UNC Greensboro gets them in Miami, and you can, if you live in the area, you can get tickets for apparently $3 to go see the SoCon up on the ACC. So there's my bank on it, week number one. Damn. Okay. I'll tell you what. Mine might be more shocking. Well, not, um, yeah, I mean, I guess shocking, whichever way you want to put that, because I got a newly D1 school defeating a Power 6 conference team. And this Ooh. game is on, I think it's on Monday. I didn't write this, did I write this on my notes? Yeah, Monday nights. Close to home. Southern Indiana, new D1 team, takes down Missouri. Missouri <laughs> last year was fucking awful. They've missed, what was it? They've missed the last eight tournaments, two out of the last ten tournaments or some shit like that. Um, they've been awful. They won 20, they was 12 and 21 last season. Um, overall, and there's five and thirteen in the SEC conference. There's one of the worst three point shooting teams last and, year, twenty eight point one. And let me help you out too. A brand new head coach there, Dennis Gates' yeah. first year. They, they were turned, twelve to twenty one. They turned the ball over a lot. They couldn't first turnovers themselves. Just overall, just a bad team last year. And I think it's gonna be more of the same this year. Um, in Southern Indiana, they only shot thirty two percent from three last year, so that's gonna have to improve heading to a D one play. But it's gonna be one of those games that they don't shoot the ball well from three last year, well, they're going to hit a shit ton of threes this game. It just seems what's going to happen when a mid-major team comes to play. Um, and they also bring back, they lose Mateo Rivera, one of their best players from last year, but they do bring back three um, double-digit scores. Jelani Simmons, who's a senior, 14 points per game. Tyler Henry, who's a junior, 12 points per game. And Jacob Polakovic, uh, 11 half points per game. They bring back a couple of uh, solid pieces who scored over eight points per game as well. And Jemiah Hernandez and Isaiah Swope. Bank on it. Southern Indiana takes down Let's Missouri. go. And you have a little Indiana twist too because Missouri has incoming guard. Uh, he's a, I think he would be a, a obviously he's a senior, but uh guard Sean East. He, he's played D1 before. He's been a couple of colleges. He's coming in from John Logan College this year to play for the Tigers. But the Indiana connection there is he was high school teammates with Romeo Langford at New Albany High School. Hey, look there. Look yeah, we've seen him play. We've seen him play as a sophomore. Oh, shit, we did. Yeah, yeah, he I was the, he was the little ago. guard that was going ham. Mira Romeo had like 40 and East had like 25. There we go. Yeah, the little Indiana connection there. Peyton, I know it's week one, so it's hard to have a bunch of shout-outs, but uh, I'll let you take the floor on this one. You got any shout-outs for people this week? I got one. Oh, I got two. One college basketball, one non-college basketball. So let's go ahead and solve one non-college basketball. LSU, baby. Let's go. We knocked down Alabama. And it was supposed to be, uh, a.k.a. a rebuild year for uh, Kelly coming into this year. We knocked down Alabama in Death Valley. Death Valley is one of the loudest places one of the loudest atmospheres, not only in college football. It's probably number one in my eyes. I'm just 
taking my bias, or trying to take my bias away. Uh, it's up there, uh, but it's also one of the loudest atmospheres just in sports in general, especially when it's a night game and you got a big rival like Alabama coming into town. It's a tough place to play, and you can tell Bryce Young was rattled in that game, especially with all the defensive pressure we had coming at him in different ways. But we knocked down Alabama on a two-point conversion um, in overtime, 132-31, and a hell of a battle between Alabama and LSU. A top-ten matchup. The fans rushed the field. I don't know why the fuck we're rushing the field. We're a legendary program. We just won a national championship in 2019. Uh, I get that's the first time we beat LSU or beat Alabama in Death Valley since 2010. But come on now. Tennessee doing it's another thing. Cause they suck. So they they're doing it. They're rushing the floor and taking the goalposts and knocking it in the river. That's another thing. Now they they can do that. That's fine. You know they're not LSU, but we're better than that. Like come on now, we shouldn't be doing that. But we knocked off Alabama. We in a rebuild in a rebuild year. We were supposed to not even be here. Now we control our own destiny in the SEC West because now it's setting up. We gotta play Arkansas next week. We still got a tough remaining schedule. Um, so hopefully we can win out, because if we do, then we get Georgia, most likely, unless um, they have a couple upsets, which I don't think is going to happen. Um, we'll get Georgia in the SEC tournament, uh, championship game, and we could be making the playoffs. It's close. You know, with Tiff now, Clemson got upset last night, got the shit be kicked out of him by Notre Dame. Um, so we're going to raise up to that link. He's probably close to the top five, so shout out to LSU. Go Tigers. Fuck Alabama. Um... Keeping the bias side going, college basketball, I got to shout out Louisville. The, I- the IARP situation last five years has been rough. You've known me. You know, you've been around me for a, lot, for a while, you know, these last five years. It's been rough for me. So the fact that this the NCAA cloud is completely gone from hanging over our heads, we can finally move on and rebuild this legendary program, uh, I can't wait. So shout out to all the diehard Louisville fans who was there five years ago and who stuck through all the bullshit and still repping Louisville to this day. L1C4, raise that fucking banner. Go Cards. Oh, my God. (laughs) Um, Real quick shouts. Uh, Shout out, since we're doing nine, uh, shout out Olivier Giroux for a masterclass performance. Uh, Goal sealed the Milan victory yesterday. But college basketball side, shout out Coach Cal for being a great human again. Mm. Um, uh, Damian Collins' father passed away unexpectedly. You know, RIP, prayers up for the whole family. Um, And Cal was supposed to be in New York the next day to accept some prestigious award, and he decided to stay. The whole team gathered around, stayed by Damian Collins' side. Um, Tough situation, but again, you can hate Cal for a lot of reasons, but not as a humanitarian. The dude constantly does great stuff. So uh, shout out Coach Cal. Shout out the Collins family in this tough time. Um, Shout out college basketball fans, especially the ECB family. Um, We're finally here. Let's make year five the best ever. um, And we're on that path. Shout out our our friends and partners over at House Enterprise, House College Hoops, the Road to the Garden guys. We got to shout out our, our boys. You know, Phil's not with us today. Hopefully next week he's back. Um, Corey Gardner, Johnny Stroud, all the people that's around us, man. Shout out to everybody. And uh, college basketball is back, baby. Tomorrow evening, or today, if you're listening to us on a Monday, College Hoops is back. And I can't wait. This is going to be an incredible year. I know week one's not the greatest slate of games, but we're finally back. 
ready to roll. Cannot wait. So excited. And we thank you for being a part of the ECB family. Again, there's still time. It doesn't matter if season's starting. Grab your a copy of the magazine. Uh, Peyton, one last time, tell them where to go get the magazine at. Go to Etsy.com slash shop slash ECB shop can get you a magazine. Go spend the $10. I promise you it's well worth it, especially once the hoop season starts tomorrow. You'll want to go back and look at some of our previews or maybe catch up on names of players that you don't know who they are yet. Um, It's well worth it. For everybody who's bought the magazine already, we thank you from the bottom of our heart. And we are officially on the road to the Final Four as ECB Year 5 officially kicks off. Thank you for following along with us on the YouTube channel, whether you're live with us today or you catch it later on. Thank you for listening to the audio podcast when this drops. Um, Leave a five-star review wherever you're listening to it at. Let people know about us because, baby, ECB all the way up in year number five. Cinco five. We appreciate you guys. We hope you have a great rest of your evening. College Hoops is back. Make sure you got yourself tuned in to all the games every single day from here on out. And we'll catch you next week with episode 121 when we recap week one of College Hoops and get you set for the Champions Classic. Let's go, baby. Thank you guys again. I hope you guys have a great rest of your evening. And we will catch you next week for episode 121. For Peyton, for Phil and Corey, who's not here, I've been your host, Josh. We'll see you down the road. Ciao.